from wherever we recorded this, it is the next episode of our podcast. I am Tommy, and right here with me is the co-host, my good friend, Anthony. Tony, how are you today? I am great, brother. How is everything in your end of the world? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I do not have anything zany or scripted for this open, but I do like the lounge. I'm not sure I've asked you for your thoughts on the lounge music that I like to run underneath the show. I love the lounge. The lounge effect. Okay. It, it sets mood and it, it makes the listener feel at ease, at least when I listen to it. It makes me feel at ease, even though I might not like what you're talking about. So, not too long ago, but probably way later than most people, my wife and I cut the cord. We stopped paying for it. It was actually satellite TV, not cable, but cut the cord, get rid of satellite, get rid of cable. We drastically changed the way that we watch television. And for me, that was kind of a big deal because I had been a direct TV subscriber since 1997. You want to know how I know that it was 1997? Yeah. It's because when I subscribed to DirecTV, it came with free Sunday ticket the first year, and that was the year that the Broncos won. You are Broncos Tony, the Denver kid. What do you remember about the 1997 Broncos? <laughs> I remember that I... Everything I remember, I remember me crying at the end of the Super Bowl, and I'm like, "Oh my god, God, I would just go to Super Bowl." You cried after they beat the Packers. I was like a little girl wearing a skirt, dude. (laughs) I also remember we stole a we stole a videotape of one of our friends' mothers who recorded the game. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that. I don't know that I want to record that we stole our friends' moms' videotape, but that is a factual statement. First off, I guess I should declare, if, if you hadn't listened to last week's episode to introduce co-host Anthony, I've known Tony for most of my life. I certainly knew you during the 1997 Broncos run. And then subsequent to that, we had a mutual friend whose mom was also a big-time Broncos fan, and she recorded that shit on VHS, and we, we came through with the, oh, man, let us just borrow your mom's tape. And we watched that shit over and over and over again. It was great. We never gave it back to her, I don't think. <laughs> right. I specifically remember one of the reasons was because there's a certain replay on that. Yes. Where Ed McCaffrey throws this block, and you don't really see it in the regular game because uh, more it was it was like an NFL Films replay moment, but they caught it during the game itself. They showed the replay, which is what she had. So we found that, and it was like, oh well, we gotta keep this thing now. Yes, for anyone who doesn't know what Tony's talking about, in the game deciding drive, Elway throws a swing pass to a running back, and Ed McCaffrey absolutely destroys a Green Bay linebacker. After he decletes him, he's standing over him, and he points right in his face. He's like, you! Oh, uh, yeah, it's one of my most fondest memories of uh, Bronco lore, for sure. I love that play. Oh, dude, I love that play. I love that Super Bowl. 
I loved you and I going and taking that videotape and watching it over and over again. Elway's 45th fourth quarter game-winning drive would be aided greatly by Ed McCaffrey's crushing block. Oh, oh my! Brian Williams, that's Ed McCaffrey that just tattooed you on your back and allowed that thing to go down another 15 yards. Denver's going to win it! Sunday Ticket in DirecTV, that was great, but we ended up cutting the cord. Right. And now the primary TV thing that we have is Roku. And within Roku, I'm sure everybody knows you get apps and you download apps and you watch the apps. But I'm not much of a big Netflix, Hulu guy. What my wife and I ended up watching most of the time is a thing called Pluto TV. And it's basically like cable you know it's got a programming guide it's got all that shit but the programming is super wild like instead of having usa network tnt tbs it's got channels dedicated to syndicated shows the channel roster is dog the bounty hunter channel and mtv cribs channel things that are just ancient but there's some treasure trove out there of historical shows mystery science theater 3000 i don't know if you've ever watched that but mst3k has a dedicated channel tosh.0 tosh has a pluto channel which i really enjoy but the channel that we've tended to watch a lot lately believe it or not is a price is right channel and it's dedicated to just all the early 80s bob barker years you remember price is right bob barker Absolutely, man. In our in our age group, I mean, you, we grew up on that stuff. You know, every you know, I would call in sick to school every day so I could watch. Price Called right. in sick to school? Did you maybe misspeak there, adult Tony? <laughs> Did your teacher answer? <laughs> I'm not feeling very well today, boss. I mean, teach. I mean, my mom signed this note. <laughs> Whatever. I understand what you mean. When you were homesick from school and the Price Is Right was on, it was the only good thing because. The daytime soaps and the daytime talk shows. Like, remember Ricky Lake and shit would come on. I was like, oh, dude, I'd rather be in class. Ricky Lake, Maury Povich. Yeah, yes. the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get hung up on them. They might have channels on that Pluto, too. But that's not what we've been watching. No disrespect <laughs> to the Maury Povich and that. You're not the father show. But we dig that Bob Barker channel. And what we get to doing, and tell me how dorky this fucking is, but... What we started doing while we were watching is we'd have the iPad or the laptop or whatever, and we'd start trying to look up the products to see, you know, how how long ago did this company go out of business? Like the, the Johnston and Sherwood cabinet television. It, it's like this TV in this giant locker. It must weigh eight tons. It's like, I don't know what company that is, but they're definitely not still with us. You know, dude, I wouldn't call it dorky. I would say it's actually genius. I would never even thought to do that, but that it's like a social experiment to see where we were compared to where we are. It's That's amazing. I, I love that. Yeah, love you know, that. you could get caught up on that first level social thing where, you know, Bob Barker calls every gals and stuff, and there's some machismo things that probably wouldn't fly today. Right. 
not really hung up on any of that. What I do love looking at is in the 80s, apparently one of the things that was popular, one of the products that they had in the showcase was they took uh, barrels, like wine barrels, whiskey barrels, and they cut them and made them into chairs and bars. And you ready for this? Bumper pool. Bumper pool table. There was a whiskey barrel bumper pool table. That's uh, that's awesome. I I know a lot of pool players, and I think I could probably sell those by the dozens, if not the hundreds, if we could reproduce those. I thought of you immediately. I was like, man, Anthony, how much bumper pool have you played? A little bit. I played a when I was a kid. I, some rec room that I was able to go to when I was a kid had one, and I was like, what is this thing? And that was really before I knew what pool even was. And then I started playing pool, of course. And then more recently, the last couple of years, I know a couple of guys that have one. And uh, we're playing it. It's kind of fun. It's a, it's a different type of game. It makes you insane, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> so I don't have a specific recollection, but I'm pretty sure I've played bumper pool. And it was definitely as a kid. But for anyone who might not have ever heard of bumper pool, because it seems obscure... Like, I recognized it immediately. My wife right. recognized it for the most part. Oh, you put a backgammon in a pool table. Oh, there's a backgammon table, too. In the other uh, opened-up whiskey thing, it's a backgammon table. It's a whole game room. Bar furniture built out of whiskey barrels. And it, it was somewhat clever. But, dude, if you think the set of Cheers has a ton of wood in it, you should have seen this bar showcase. It was fucking wood on wood on wood with bumper tables and backgammon i don't know i would have bid negative i would have been you know what fucking you know what bob i'm not afraid of going over on this i'm afraid of of bringing it home with me so i'm just gonna say a million bucks to take myself out of the running no i started off trying to describe bumper pool but my my recollection and i saw the table and looked it up later so i you know my my recollection was refreshed I don't want to pretend that I have this, you know, from a kid, but there's literally obstacles in front of the pockets. Like you're trying to sink the ball and there's these wooden bumpers, hence the term bumper pool. There's literally bumpers around the pocket and you can miss and like rattle it out the same way you would rattle out a basketball shot. Oh, I I don't know. There's a little nostalgia in that one, dude. I I, I, I bet if you brought that back and put it on whatever ebay you probably sell it for uh way more than it's worth right now yeah i, all right. I would imagine we'll take that in let's put that in our back pocket here um <laughs> let's put that in our pocket and think about it later In more current game show news, Jeopardy does not have a host. My wife and I, super long-time Jeopardy fans, it's a fun show. Love this show. I've, I've watched it on and off over the years. Uh, big Trebek fan, for sure. And sadly, he just left us, what, just a couple months back or something like that, I want to say. Yeah, I not too followed long. it too, too closely, but um, I've never been smart enough to, you know, answer like more than one percent of it uh 
answers or questions or however that works. But I like watching the Smarties do it, man. I'm like, whoa, these guys are crazy. I think it really depends on the board you draw. If you get the right subjects, you know, I'm not saying that either of us are going to beat Ken Jennings, but if we draw a Bible authors from the 17th century there's just no chance there's you know okay (laughs) right right yeah but on the other hand if you get sports capital cities geography some things they wheelhouse sometimes man it'll come through and it'll be like oh man i'm i would have had a serious chance to compete in that episode i think it's all about the categories you know, most of the time I'm always looking at the categories trying to do that stupid old Saturday Night Live and make a the penis mighty joke out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you know, we could, I could definitely answer some stuff about sports and recent history, potentially, you know, in the last couple hundred years. But besides that, those guys, it's almost like they memorize everything. Like, like is, somebody, is, is Ken Jennings really that smart? Does he actually know all that? I mean, obviously, he knows it. It's tough to say. I mean, there's clearly a memory component to it, but does memory make one smart inherently? Does knowing the chronological order of the vice presidents help you split the atom? I don't know. But I do enjoy the game show part of it. Like, how quickly can you recall this little tidbit of information? I don't know if that's true intelligence or not. little tangent real quick about Jeopardy, but not really about Jeopardy. There was a movie way back in the day called quiz show quiz and john john turturro started it and some other random people fascinating it's a true story about some game show from like the 50s or 60s where they actually piped in the answers to the people they wanted to win (laughs) and uh it's a great movie but i've always ever since i've seen that movie watching jeopardy and other trivia shows like that i'm like i wonder if these people are doing the same thing or if it's all on the up and up you remember tic tac Doe, the dragon oh wait no i beg your pardon beg your pardon it wasn't tic tac Doe, the dragon show with wink martindale it was the whammy show with peter tamarkin peter tamarkin the host of press your luck big bucks no whammies and they made a documentary about a guy who apparently studied that show and realized that the producers kind of were asleep at the wheel and they would use the same pattern around that big bucks no whammies no whammies stop the way that they put the lights the sequence they never changed it so homie fucking studied it and then he got on the show that's always the part that I wish they would explore more in these documentaries. He was like, oh, and he got on the show. It's like, how does that happen? Do you just write a letter in 1980? Right. Whatever. Right. I'm like, here's my postcard, Peter Tamarkin. Would you put me on the show? I'm this <laughs> guy from Ohio, I think he might have been from. If not, I would like to bash Ohio anyway. What's Ohio ever done? <laughs> Fuck you, Ohio. You know, if he was smart, he probably got with a bunch of his friends and been like, hey, we're all going to apply to be on the show. And whichever one gets on, here's the formula. Here's how we beat it. You know? Um, maybe, oh, I like that. I don't know. A little conspiracy network. A little oceans. Right. Maybe more like Pond. Pond 11. We're all going to get on the fucking <laughs> Press Your Luck show. No, no, no whammy 11. I used to love that show when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he got on the show and he did. He had the board memory. He knew what was coming. It's hard to lose when you know what's coming. 